This is the Championship Mindset Podcast. Uh, welcome to the Championship Mindset Podcast. Uh, we believe winning is a decision that each and every person has the opportunity to make each day. Today, I'm joined by Coach Russ Stoner, the head football coach at York High uh, here in central Pennsylvania, and also Coach Cade Lemke, uh, the head basketball coach at Blue Ridge um, School for Boys in uh, Virginia. And then uh, our guest today is Mr. Danny Mays. Uh, Danny Mays is the owner and operator of Team Money Lacrosse um, and also the director of business development at Integrity First. Um, So, Danny, it's good to have you here this morning. Um, take a little bit and just give us a little background on on who you are. I mean, it's, it's flattering to be here. I appreciate it. Um, I live in Chambersburg. I'm a dad. I have uh, two daughters. They're five and seven. Um, and I've just been kind of like a big sports guy my whole life. Like your typical grew up playing sports, played about every sport imaginable. Didn't um, really took a lot of value in sports and coaching and leadership and everything that comes with the motivational journey of of being involved in sports. Um, I went on to I, to play lacrosse in college and, and professionally very briefly um, whenever I was younger. And then that led me into the coaching path, which um, like like you guys talk about consistently, has been super implemental in me as a father, in me as a coach and a leader of, of young men and individuals. And then as well as, as my career, like it's been a big reason that I've seen success in my career. And it's something that um, I find a lot of value in and a lot of purpose in and it's something that I try and teach those who are um, influenced by what I'm doing to do the same thing and give back so it's like that stepping stone mentality how'd you get into lacrosse it's funny it's um so where we are in Pennsylvania I don't even think like in the area where we grew up Rush you might know this too they didn't have lacrosse in high school when I was growing up I guess uh high school for me would have been 89 to 93 um, they also didn't have hockey, right? Like hockey was more prevalent, like Western PA. So was wrestling, stuff like that. Um, how'd you get into lacrosse? We got lacrosse in, I'm from Chambersburg. So we got lacrosse. I was in eighth grade going into ninth grade. And um, just so a guy moved to the area, Paul Flores, still one of my best friends, high school coach. He started the program, moved to Chambersburg for his career. He was like an ex-pro player. So with the passion, he started the program and got it moving. Um, I was always a big football guy, so a bunch of us just played lacrosse for, like, a spring sport because it was physical. Like, it was, you know, very, very big, like, wrestling and football area. So it was more just, like, a new physical sport that Paul promoted really well and just kind of, like, took a loving to it. Russ, what do football players say about lacrosse players? Well, I'm not going to say anything about that right now, but I am going to say this. When lacrosse first got to York, I'll never forget this. They they played it like it was football, right? So they would beat the living snot out of each other, right? And the football officials turned into being lacrosse officials. So everybody was totally confused about what lacrosse was really like. And for me, I went to the mecca of lacrosse, uh, the, the to to Towson University. So I was like, listen, fellas, you don't understand. In lacrosse, there are 180-pound dudes out there running around not really hitting each other. They're that agile. They're running by each other. I said, cheap-shotting each other is not lacrosse. But uh, in my world, it's the lacrosse players just that much tougher than soccer players. But it is what it is, right? They walk around with their little 
you know, their little thing in their 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 little pole and their thing hanging out the back. Don't get like so technical here, Russ. Don't I don't mean they're like surfers. Yeah. You know, it's called a pole, I guess. So Danny, you said you're a football player and made the transition or, or moved over to lacrosse. What was it about lacrosse that was more intriguing than football? It seems like a faster paced game. Um and and admittedly I I I probably watched thirty minutes of lacrosse in my life, but what was the difference for you when you made the transition? You said you were a big football player and then eventually, you know, made the commitment to to commit to lacrosse. It was definitely that fast paced gameplay. Um, big football lover my whole life, so it was the difference of like calling plays and having that rest between action and lacrosse is just very basketball esque. You sub on the fly, everything's moving. Um, so it was really just like high pace and exciting. And then of course a good coach. Like yeah, I'm a good coach. What was the physical aspect like difference wise between that and football? What what position did you play in football? I played like cornerback, running back, receiver, like a small shifty guy. But it's super similar. It's like hockey ish, like the physicality, you still get the big hits. Um, but there is a good bit more finesse to it with the stick work. Long stick or short stick guy? And I always so thought there was great similarities to to hoops with lacrosse because of your right, especially the strategy with setting screens, right, get goes, like transition, or right? a lot of things. I know growing up, a lot of my friends played lacrosse, and a couple coaches the end, you know, said, "Hey, you know, this should be a, this should be a great game for basketball players to play in the spring, if because it is more physical than hoops, but there's so much carryover as well." I've always been intrigued. Yeah. Intrigued. Okay, didn't you have who was the uh, see if Danny knows this person? Who was the two years ago the coach, lacrosse coach at Blue Ridge? Danny better know. Dom Starja was uh oh, yeah. Wow. I didn't... So after after he re- retired at Virginia, he was off for a year and then he felt like he need he needed to uh itch that that itch again and where he lives is only about 15 20 minutes from here. And so he came and said that he'd be willing to coach uh, one year at a time, and then making this at least in fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that guy, there, like I think I remember, it was either coach. So when 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 I brought Camden down for a visit at Blue Ridge, and we were outside the gymnasium, and I don't think it was lacrosse season. This was like maybe March or April. Is that lacrosse season? Yeah, it's the beginning of lacrosse. Okay, so it was lacrosse season. They were out on the field. I didn't know who the dude was, but as we're walking into the gym. He had this like presence about him, right? When he spoke, and he's probably 50 to 70 yards away. And I like stopped. We're on this tour. I, I've never played the cross. I don't really have much of an interest, but you could feel like the instruction and what was happening out there was a significance. And I stopped and walked. And I even, I think Coach Kane was like, um, You told me who that was. And I was like, well, I, I don't know who that was. And, you might have said, or maybe my interpretation after you told me was, he was like the Mike Shashevsky of lacrosse. Yeah. Like his accomplishments um, and how he was sort of, you know, perceived by people in that sport was the equivalent of the way that basketball players and coaches and fans look at Mike Shashevsky. Is that like a fair comparison or is yeah. that? No, I think that's that's definitely fair. And what's, what's interesting, you know, here we are talking about right leadership and success on our podcast the what he missed the most and why he wanted to get back in was being out there on the field with the guys right he didn't care about the recruiting he didn't care about really even the winning championships it was the practice time 
and the camaraderie and then being able to right pour into right players is what he missed and why he right why he ended up you know coming uh and he was, he was with us for almost three seasons and now he he kind of let the let the reins go to our our new coach and his staff and uh dom said he still is willing to help out you know with practices which obviously from a culture standpoint i don't know how well that will you know will work as it when a new coach head coach is there and when you've got mike Shevsky, you know right there on the sideline helping it might be hard to you know to uh to establish that new that new culture but um but we we were blessed to have him right to have him in charge of our guys for a few years what was his um so he coached at, at uva for what a 10, 20 years? Or was it, I mean, he was there for a long time? Yeah, I think, I think he won four or five national championships. Uh, Damn. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's in the lacrosse hall of fame. He's he's a stud. Did they smack around Towson pretty good every year? Or? Yeah, I don't know if Towson could ever get on the field, get on the field with them. Do you know that, Russ? They used to just... I, I got to be honest with you. I don't care. Oh. <laughs> Look. It's lacrosse. It's just the dude. I told you they're that much tougher than soccer players. Wait, what's below soccer? Don't say pond that. scum. Jeez, Louise, dude. Damn. Listen, come on, man. Let's you go. That's soccer. Did you? Were you a soccer player? Danny never saw. Oh. All right, you're in a safe place here, Russ. But you might catch some flag Listen, for that. What's I don't care. Social. Yeah, I kind of okay. you didn't care. I was just stating. Yeah, you know how I am, Eric. It is what it is. If boys and girls both play the sport, I'm not that excited about it's it. Funny though, like I have uh, one of Cam Camden's my sons. His basketball coach, he loves to recruit soccer players because of their footwork. And he's like, today, you guys, I'll have you know, Coach Kate, I started training two days a week, so I go to Camden's basketball trainer every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 630. Okay. So frustrating today for 45 minutes. He had me working on my base and it was like one, two shot. And I was like one, two shot. And it was 45. My legs are burning. I was getting frustrated. I was just, and he's like, but, but what he would say is like for a soccer player, that stuff's like super easy, right? They understand the important, he loves recruiting soccer players and uh, gymnast. Um, and he said, gymnast, it's because they're they're used to working in like precision movements um, because if you do stuff and you're, you're off by, you know, a degree on the way that you hold um, or perform a trick or a stunt, you'll lose, you know, critical points. But he was saying like he loves to recruit soccer players and gymnasts because uh, the footwork and precision of movements is like super easy. So I mean, I think you might be the oldest person getting basketball training in the world right now. I'm a dude. I'm trying to play in a summer league this year, and, and I go to for anybody that's listening, Coach Kate. Tell them about. Uh, I cannot wait. It was one of the best experiences I had with my daughter. But Coach Kate hosts a bringer to the court daddy daughter basketball camp. You stay over on campus at Blue Ridge School, which is on a 750-acre campus in the middle of the mountains. There was, like, outdoor movies. There was ponds. There's rock climbing, uh, like, roasting marshmallows over a fire. My daughter and I, I still to this day, if I'm having, like, a difficult day or something, I'll scroll back and find those pictures. I think, is it June? June, yep. Yeah, we're- uh, Actually, give so, the details. What, when is it? Yeah, so June June 7th through the 9th. 
Um, it's a Friday, Friday evening to Sunday around lunchtime. Uh, fathers and daughters, uh, we, we started, I think we're on year number eight now. And uh, it's just a, a great opportunity for dads and daughters to get together and, and spend time on the court, spend time off the court, building that, that relationship, you know, working on your, working on your skills, but most importantly, building that relationship between dads and daughters that we know how important that relationship is for young women as they, as they grow up and, and go out into the world. And, um, it started as a small vision, little ministry and continues to, to get bigger and bigger with, with families coming from literally all over the country to come to camp. So we're excited for it. it's here at Blue Ridge and, um, yeah, the website is W. Uh, com, and that has all the information you can register and everything there yeah we went last year it was amazing um and it was the first time i really had that much time where it was just me and this was my oldest daughter maya and uh it was just awesome we even had there was like a date night where we got all dressed up they had like a formal dinner prepared um you know so uh it was awesome for anybody that's watching danny you have two daughters um, even if you're not into basketball, it could be a little strenuous for what you're used to with lacrosse, maybe Russ would say. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's awesome, man. It was a great experience. And uh, there's a lot of like drills and instruction. And then I think I had to leave early, but don't you compete or something on the, the third day? Um, yep, definitely. Yeah, do we try to cap it off with some fun competitions and then some, you know, maybe it's dads versus daughters or maybe it's families versus other families to give them a little a little chance because some right and for some families the daughter's really into hoops and the dad isn't into it but wants to wants to be around his daughter some situations the dad's really into hoops and he would love for his daughter to get into hoops and so he he brings her and then some some are both in or some some you know the both dad and daughter will say we have never played basketball before we just want to spend the weekend together you know so there's it's all across the spectrum of uh you know experience but it's uh it's fun. And the dads are, dads end up pretty sore on day two, you know, some extra stretching needs to take place. Uh, but it's just, it's been a great, a great, a great experience for us. Did you, I, I think it's awesome. Right? What are they, what are her ages? Five, Sophie seven. We're actually into basketball. Dude. So here, you want to know the cr- crazy thing? I have, well, four daughters. One's named Lily. The other one's Sophia. How old's Lily? Lily's five. And Sophie? Sophie's seven. See, those are reversed. Lily is seven. And so, uh, no, I'm sorry, Sophie will be three soon. But uh, they like basketball? Yeah, Sophie loves basketball. Lily's Lily's still in that, still like a baby, but Sophie loves basketball. The only challenge I'll have is I have four daughters, three of them. What age group is it generally, Coach? Yeah, so, so it starts with seven-year-olds. And goes right seven to seventeen, but usually that that peak, right? The most are between like nine and twelve tends to be like the sweet spot. But um, but we've had yeah, we've had young, we've had you know, I have I have two daughters, and so what we had to do right away was bring grandpa in, so that right one daughter could spend a lot of time with grandpa, and the other daughter could spend time with me, so that I wasn't pulled in two directions. We've had dads bring as many as three. Right, three daughters with them, and we we do our best to right get them all together as much as much as possible. But Sophie, your seven year old, that could be a an awesome an awesome weekend to bring her right, bring her down and get her. Yeah, get her. Yeah, it's, it's a cool idea. The concept's awesome. 
Yeah, now it's so- let me let me let me piggyback on it because I think it's very awesome. Um, I'm probably the one that has the oldest daughter here. Um, my daughter's 24, and uh, she was a swimmer the whole way through um, from the time she was seven years old. Got a chance to swim at Millersville. She sets a couple of pool records. Uh, finished in the top five in the PSACs, uh, two or three, th- uh, two or three events. But she she now got her first. Uh, she's a she's a history teacher at Northeastern. But what's kind of really cool for me is the fact that she's now coaching swimming, and uh, just uh, this week got hired as the aquatics director at Northeastern. So um, I think it's real important for for men to have great relationships with their daughters, and uh, I, I think that what you're doing down there, coach, is all, I think it's awesome. Um, and and to have like my my daughter and I refer to each other as best buds, you know, and to this day it's still it's still that way. Who knows? Might be might so, have to get might have to get Russ Russ and his daughter down as guest speakers. That, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, and, and listen, one of the one of the things that's crazy about it, and I'll tell you guys, I the worst thing in the world is raising daughters. I mean, the worst. I swear to you guys. Oh, so so get buck, buckle up, buckle up. It's it's the it's it's the dudes. It's not. It's the it's the listen. And 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 they're they're so hard on themselves. They want to be pretty, right? They want to be smart. They want to be athletic. They want to be. They 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 essentially want to be perfect. Where, where, where dudes, like Sam could, could have cared less. He'd walk out of the house wearing the same clothes three days in a row and didn't care, you know? And, um, you know, he, he doesn't care what people say about him. He doesn't care about the gossip that he doesn't care about, you know, any of those things. But when it's with Maddie, she's like, can you believe, I'm like, shut up, stop. You're killing me. I'll hang up on her. She'll say, she'll say something to this day. She'll say something. And I'll say, Maddie, I gotta go. She goes, Okay. And she and I and I really I do I hang up on her because I, I tell her I said Maddie it's not even as a as a young adult she still hangs on to some of that stuff and she has a great boyfriend and and probably going to end up being her her husband um, but it, it's it's a struggle because I I just I, I God love you God love you you know it's it's funny you mentioned that and I never really thought about it as a a girl issue. But my nine-year-old Maya has really, really shown an elevated interest in getting like real good at basketball. So she has um, two practices a week for her team. She plays on the, the fourth grade team, like in our local um, basketball league. And then she has two private lessons a week with the, the same trainer her brother worked with since he was eight years old. And that every Thursday and Friday, I think I was really inspired by Coach Cade's camp. I pick her up at 4.30 and I take her to this place called the Basketball Warehouse where they have like the shooting guns. They have like, um, I forget the name of it, but there's like a big screen TV and a mat and it has a camera and it traces like your your dribbling movements and it takes you through a ball handling workout and then it shows like the accuracy of of your ball handling and you compete, and it keeps track of all your scores. So every Thursday and Friday from 4.30 to 6, her and I go, and she shoots for 45 minutes. She normally shoots like four or 500 shots. Then she does 30 minutes of ball handling. And this last week, she missed like seven, eight, nine shots in a row, and her face was beat red. Um, she was 
on the verge of tears. And it's like, nobody's watching. I'm there cheering for her. And there was like this pause and moment for me where I would tell you 10 years ago when Camden was nine, I probably would have made that situation worse. You got to toughen up. Stop being a, you know, uh, assault. Like you're not going to be able to make shots if you're too worried about the last miss. Instead, I paused it. I like pulled her over to the basket. I put my arm around her and I was like, hey, like, and I put my hand right here on her chest, like to just settle her down. Her heart was beating. I bet it was 200 times a minute. It was like, I felt it was going to come through her chest. And all I said was like, hey, we're just here to have fun. I don't care if you miss every shot that you take today. It's really about just going through the process of shooting, not whether you make it or not. So just relax, because every time you get worked up and you feel like you're going to cry, it makes it harder to focus on what you need to do to make the next shot. And I, I could tell, like in the vein of leadership, it felt like I was just consoling my daughter and calming her down. But for me, it felt like a great leadership moment. Because And then, and then of course, I posted the video on it. She goes back out and she does another, I think it was like 50 shots. And she's nine, so shooting from like the free throw line might as well be a three-pointer at her age. Like it takes all of her energy to get it there. And she made 56% of her next 50 shots, which is like 15 to 20% more. And uh, it was good for me because I felt the difference in how I would have responded 10 years ago to my son, to how I handled it now, and then the response I got from her. And to your point, though, she is so hard on herself, like she she just even more so than Cam. Like Camden would just like, hey man, I did the work. Like whatever, I shot five hundred shots. Um, she is super super hard on herself. So I I do think that there's a way to parent and lead differently for daughters that I'm learning. I mean, I'm learning as I go because she's my oldest, and you know that was the first time I ever had an interaction with her. And you know I was proud of the fact that she cared that much about the result. And I wasn't sure how to handle it, right? Like my initial reaction is like aggressive, calm down, like get a hold of yourself, focus. But I knew in the back of my head that wasn't going to help me get her where I wanted her to go, which was just settling down a little bit. She, she's going to be outstanding, Eric, because what, what happens is this. This is just my opinion. But the younger the kids are and they have older siblings, right? The younger one is always the best one. Because they get drugged to the gyms, they get they they're out there dribbling, they're chasing balls, they're doing all those things. Well, right now, that pressure that I think probably she's feeling is by her big brother, right? Not that Camden's doing anything besides being a great player. Yeah. So she watches everything that he does, and she's like, "Oh my gosh!" But I do have to ask you this question. So you posted some of our misses, right, on social media? Because fellas, guess what? When he posts his his stuff on social media, they're always made shots. He doesn't ever post any of his missed shots. I posted all of the ones I missed. If there weren't any in there, that just means I didn't miss. Oh, okay. I don't know what the deal uh, is. It is what it is, uh, man. Uh, no, but seriously, ser- seriously, the, the, the girls, like my daughter is a fantastic kid. I mean, she gave us zero problems, but I uh, seriously, it is, it's a challenge because of all the social pieces and it's the it's them trying to 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 figure out their you know they want to be great athletes and you said something eric that i that that i you know between being a father and being a coach and doing all those things and i think i told you this eric one time at breakfast 
I used to think sometimes that I was the worst damn father in the world, right? Because I spent so much time with other kids, other, other parents' kids. But I did take my kids with me everywhere I went. So at every workout, every practice, they were always around the sport. And what, what I think really ended up happening was they were standing beside me and not being spoke to um, when I was talking to the, to my teams about work ethic and grades and, you know, you know, even sex and drugs and all of those pieces. So instead of me hounding on my kids as they were growing up about all of those things, they heard it pretty much every day, you know, by me coaching and talking to my teams. And then they had a ton of really good, um, examples of who to follow, like, like the guys that were, that, that were, that did it right. And then they saw the guys that didn't do it right. So the examples were there and they knew what they wanted to be with, you know, very, in a, at a very early age. Um, so that, again, you know, you guys that have young, that have young, uh, girls and, and, I'd get them around your teams as much as you can get them around because I think it was a great, it ended up being a great experience for, uh, for my kids. Yeah, it's funny. Um, and then Danny, I have a question for you to, to your point, Russ, in our basketball court at home, we have a nice little, you know, in the driveway, it's a backboard glass, nice stuff. And, uh, we had lines, I get it lined every spring, you know, free throw line, uh, three pointer line. And then we had Camden like under the three-point line in his home school, like orange and black letters with the logo there. And it was like, I think it was this past spring and me and Maya were outside shooting and playing. And she was like, hey, dad, you got to get that out of there. My name goes there. And she, she was like, bounce, bounce his ass out of there. He's off to college. He's not here anymore. I'm the new big dog in the house. She and she said she was like serious about it too. She's like, "Hey, I want my name down there on the driveway." So, she and it's healthy, right? But it is like she's heard like, I mean, it, I don't know for at least five years. I guess maybe when she was four or five, she's probably old enough to like hear the conversations that he's having about his game and his team and the whole college recruiting process and all of that stuff. And um, yeah, I, I can see how that'll they're competing against what the older sibling has done, right? It's like, Hey, there's a precedent set there. Um, I want to outdo that. But Danny, um, you obviously, you know, you have a demanding professional job. Um, you run, um, a lacrosse organization. Tell us a little bit about the, the, the organization that you have, because I know you guys have had a tremendous amount of success. And then I'd like to hear how you balance like challenging professional position, right? Where you got people that count on you every day at the office you have a uh, sports team um, club, right, that you run, and then trying to be a father to, to two daughters. Um, tell us a little bit about the lacrosse team, and I'd love to hear more about how you balance all that stuff. Yeah, man. So Team Money is um, Josh Bergie here and his wife Katie started Team Money 10, 12 years ago, and then um, they're very good personal friends of mine, so I got involved with coaching and everything, and then over time just stepped into this, like, leadership role we had a, a transfer of responsibilities um and it's a it's a recruiting program essentially like we have kid teams pretty much at every age group from about second grade up through juniors in high school and we pretty much coach these guys year after year and and work on getting them ready for college ball essentially so it's like your typical how like peewee football up through high school and then you get them off to college so it's it's uh like a start to finish athletic program um 
as far as balancing, like it, it is a lot, like you like anything, like everything in life is a lot if you look in the grand scheme of things. So I think you just have to really be intentional and be where your feet are. That's like my, my like credo. It's like my favorite saying is when the moment you get up in the morning and you got that 90 minutes with the girls, you got to give, give your kids everything you have in that 90 minutes and be the best dad you can in the moment. Then you got an hour drive to work. And in that time you work on stuff, whether it's phone calls for team money or listening to podcasts better yourself. And then you're in here, you know, eight to four, eight to five, and you're just got to be where your feet are and really lock in in the moment and make the most of that time. Then, you know, you're an hour back home doing the same thing. And then for those last two to three hours of the day, you, you just lock in and be truly be where your feet are. So I think the big thing is just kind of being intentional with your time and understanding that everything you're doing has a purpose and that you really maximize it in the moment that you're in that, that it. Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot to, to balance, um, back to the, the, the team a little bit, um, like talk a little bit about some of the success you've had there. Like every time I see the postings on Instagram or social media, uh, you guys compete like that. This lacrosse that you run an, an analogy for anybody that might not be familiar with lacrosse is the, 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 the seasons that you play and the leagues that you play, would that be like the equivalent of like AAU basketball where it's not school driven you recruit kids to come play on this team from just one local area or do they come from all around or how does that work it's very similar to aau and it's uh it's a club team it's out of season for high school kids and then pre-high school kids we intermingle so there is like year-round lacrosse it's summer club ball fall ball indoor in the winter and then spring is lacrosse season so the high school kids don't play spring ball but then from like eighth grade down, we do a spring season and we work around their rec league. Um, we do recruit kids. Like we have kids that come up from Baltimore, kids that come in from Philly, kids that come in from the Pittsburgh area. Um, but our big, our big like customer base is kids in the 717 within our, our area. When you recruit, what do you look for? We look for kids that love the game. It's kind of like if you were a college coach recruiting players, like you want those like lax rats. You want those guys who just love lacrosse, who find joy in hitting the wall, enjoy in working on the skills, enjoy in staying after practice. Because you can develop skills, right? But you can't develop love for the game. And if you're going to be on a team that's, you know, top 50, top 25 in the country, like you, you need guys who, who love the game as much as we did. And then like when you're recruiting these players, like what separates like your program and their experience playing for you versus maybe playing for an, another team. Our foundation was really solid. Like the Burbies built this up from the ground and it's just good committed staff and it trickles down from there. So our, our communication is top level. Our training is top level, which gets the parents to buy in, which gets the kids to buy it. So you kind of have that trickle down effect to where, we have like a group of individuals running this program together, the employees, and we're all just super committed to this cause. And we can see that like long-term 10X goal that we have just be the best program possible. What type how, of how often have you had, I'm sorry, what type of success have you had? Like you've been around, you said 10 years, like what did, uh, what did the program look like say last season? It's healthy. It's a really healthy program. All of our teams just about below the ninth grade level, our top 50 in the country. And then our, our high schoolers are good too. Like we had a really good 25 team, our 26s. So that's like sophomore, junior age, 
like they're constantly pushing up on the top 100. It's it's definitely on paper one of the more successful programs within like. Yeah. How, how often? How often do you? Uh, how do I say this? Uh, get frustrated when you send your kids back to their prospective teams um, and and you lose them for um, 10, 12 weeks through their high school season. I wouldn't say frustrating per se. It's, it's different. Like it's because they're still getting work in and that's, we almost like we want to build them up so that they can succeed for their schools. And we buy into like with our younger kids this year, we're not having a season in the spring because we want them to play for their local rec teams. And we want them to play for like the, the peewee level of that high school program. So we actually try and invest heavily in the high school programs because that's ultimately where these kids see the most value. That's where they're most bought in. They're excited for summer ball and excited for the team and the players and to go like win the trophies and get recruited. But they're pumped. Like it's my junior season here at Cumberland Valley High School. We're trying to make a run at states. Like we're almost facilitating the support and the skill level for the school programs, which in turn buys into us. Do you do you find though that you you guys have a better um philosophy than some of the schools um i think naturally you would say yes just because as we all know like there are school programs that maybe aren't managed the best or ran or ran how we would run it but everyone's different i think i think getting a multitude of different coaching ideologies is best for a growing athlete just like they say like if you want a division one lacrosse player you should get that full into basketball and football like you want to get a little bit of everything because it just makes it more well-rounded i'm sure there's coaches who i don't think are the best coach bring way more to the table in certain aspects of the game than i do and i'm sure yeah i think there's you know when you've got the club aau uh construct compared to the school ball at least i know in most situations right that club team has better players Right then, then this then the school ball does. So I know our guys and my daughter when she gets ready for her AAU basketball season or her club volleyball season, she gets excited because now she's surrounded by right more like minded right teammates. Right on the school team, you might have a couple that are really gun ho, a few that are doing it to stay in shape, a few that are doing it just because their other their friends are doing it. But when they get to that club season, right, they're all in it right to win it they're all right they're all hungry and now when you when you surround yourself kind of i would say probably russ more like right you're right all the workouts that you do and you said this before that these guys get excited because right they're around other like-minded individuals that all want to work all want to put in that time and i i saw that when i was on the au side and and now i see it with my daughter and also our players when they get to go right represent whether it's their area, their state, whatever, wherever their club team is from, and get to right hoop with those other guys, that that always gets them right gets them excited. But I, I've definitely seen right where there's you know some some tension between the high school coaches and the AAU coaches because they say, oh, this guy he's getting you know he's learning bad habits when he goes here, or he's learning bad habits when he goes there, and I think that's probably just part of part of the game. Um, yeah, for, for for us, it's it's kind of funny. I, I started this program last January called CAP, which is called College Athletic Planning, and we opened. It's basically my 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 philosophy for our football program since basically since I've been coaching. But 
you know, obviously we've evolved it and we've had, you know, tremendous success in the recruiting aspect, right? So um, we opened this process up to any kid in York County and we now have 18 kids in our CAP program. So those kids are coming in here to lift with us and work out with us and do all these things with us. And trust me, I get, we get, we get quite a few uh, pushbacks on it that even some schools say that their kids are allowed to come here. Right. And um, it, 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 it kind of makes me cringe a little bit because all we're doing is, is enhancing the, the like football doesn't have AAU. Right. Um, you know, some people say that's like the flag football P or the, uh, yeah, the flag football, uh, seven on seven stuff. And, and that really is not, you know, that's not truly getting you anything when you do the seven on seven piece, unless you're doing it with your team, because it's not helping you with recruiting because it's a dead period when the seven on seven stuff's going on. So it's, it's a new, it's almost a new concept for a lot of coaches around the area now. Uh, and I imagine throughout the, the, the not just the, I mean, everywhere it's, you know, for us, we're, we're, we have a football program that, that does it 12 months out of the year. Um, we lost to, to Mannheim Township in the playoffs. And uh, on a Friday, I collected the equipment on Monday. And on Tuesday, we're back in the weight room. And, and, and you know, the cap kids are back in the weight room with us as well. And they, um, some of these kids' schools haven't even started their workouts yet. Haven't started off-season workouts. So, but they're still getting pushback from their their prospective schools, and you know, like I said, you know, we we've had just since December, we've had thirty six colleges through this building. Uh, some of these schools don't get one college coach to come through, right? And not only do they, they they come through the building, they come to watch our kids work out. And uh, we have two young men, a young a young guy from uh, Redline, a young guy from Dallas Town, that are both going to Monmouth on Sunday. Um, and, and, you know, neither one of these kids have gotten, we're, we're getting any kind of recruiting done. So, um, you know, I, I just wondered how different it is in different sports and, um, and I, and again, it's, it's different because, you know, football is not really, it's, it's funny. There's an awful lot of kids that I come in contact with, right. That are like, Hey, I want to play college football, but the, the place that some of them spend the least amount of time doing is training to be a football player. So they play they they play basketball and they I get it I I love I played three sports when I was in high school as well and you know but this these kids are spending so much time playing um, other sports that they're not spending time with getting like we have a receiver that everybody is asking about and then I had he he was happened to be here and he weighs 155 pounds and the one Division two coach looked at him and said do you run cross country. Because they thought he was too small. And really, this guy should be, at this point, have two or three offers and doesn't have that. And um, it's just funny because it just seems like now I'm hearing this about lacrosse. I know what basketball does. I know what baseball does, right? But all of a sudden, when football tries to do it, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you can't do that. The big bad wolves are trying to do this. We can't do this. And uh I even I, this this fall I got introduced to youth uh, rugby, which uh, one of my kids plays rugby, and I went to his a tournament to watch him play uh, on a Sunday afternoon, and it was so much fun. Uh, I was really impressed, but it was very cult like. Like it was like I don't never I've never heard about it, right? And all of a sudden I go to Hempfield, and there's any youth boys and girls 
playing, you know, 80 teams playing in this tournament. So there's so much out there for kids. And I think it just comes down to how you try to be a leader. And, and, and for me, I just don't, I really try to stay, stick to my guns and do what I do. And, uh, but it does get frustrating at times. Yeah. It's uh, the Danny, the one question I wanted to ask you is, so you, you played, right? You played college. Uh, I think you had mentioned you played professionally a little bit for lacrosse. Where'd you, where'd you play? Where'd you play college? Uh, I went from Chambersburg High School, and I bounced around colleges. I, di- I didn't get my stuff together until I was late. So I like like Eastern University, Salisbury University, did a year at a JUCO. I ultimately ended up at Adams State, which is a small Division II school in Southern Colorado, and then had a very brief experience playing for the Denver Outlaws and then the Chesapeake Bay Hawks down there. Do, do you know a guy named Bugs Combs? Bugs Combs. I'm not sure if I do know the name or if it's one of he, he he played. I know he played for Chesapeake. It was my college coach's uh, son. Played at University of Maryland, and and then he's one of those guys that's played professional lacrosse his whole entire life. Uh, essentially, he's one of those guys that works and just goes to the games. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I want to know a guy named Bugs Combs. Like it just makes you cooler to know a dude named Bugs. Like Bugs Bugs red hair, good kid, good dude. I love this dad. I love his dad. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's good to have a dude named Bugs on your side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was it like, though, Danny? And I was literally had this conversation with someone yesterday, and they're working on taking their top-performing salesperson and moving them to a management role. And it took me like an hour of arguing with them, like his success as a player – literally means nothing when we consider him for a coaching role. Like they're, they couldn't be two more opposite roles, right? Like the knowledge of the game and stuff like that carries over. But maybe I would say it's 25%, I think, of the value. The other 75%, quite frankly, is almost opposite of what it took for him to be a successful performer or producer. Um, tell us about like what it was like going from a player playing at a high level to what what was the number one mistake you made when you went from player to coach? It's an identity shift. I mean, it's a clear identity shift and it's like, I was not a good coach at first. Like I was 100% not the best coach. When you say I wasn't a good coach, what, what made you not such a great coach when you first made the transition? Um, I I would assu- I assumed so I like stepped in my first real coaching experience as a head coach was North Hagerstown High School down in Maryland. And we did well, like we did well better than a lot of the seasons before that which is cool, but I had a tough time with you're looking at high school kids and there's kids on this team that don't want to play college lacrosse, that don't want to be a pro lacrosse player, that don't want to commit all of the time it takes to be a great lacrosse player to the game of lacrosse. And I had a tough time tailoring, you know, we have these couple kids who are studs and want to play in college. They play club ball, they work out all the time. And then we have like 60 to 70% of the team that doesn't want that, but they're still on the same team and you still need to work them all together and be able to utilize practices and game plans and integrate all of that. And I had a tough time maybe being almost overly hard, hard school, old school type coaching to guys who didn't 
loved the game. They were they were just playing it. Like they just they liked lacrosse. They played the sport. Their friends played it. They didn't want to be college big time college player. How'd you have to modify your coaching to meet them more where they were versus the way that you would treat someone that was, you know, dead set on playing at the next level? We had to incorporate more almost I hesitate to to say fun, but like different drills and different things to where it's more the practice is more light, the practice is more fun, the practice is more efficient rather than just hard nose, we're doing this, we're hammering the technicalities, we're talking strategy. So you almost had to broaden your view because you have individuals that aren't going to be Kobe Bryant. Like, you know, Quint, like um, comparatively, like you have guys who aren't going to put in that crazy work. So you have to cater to the weaknesses of the team. You're going to have guys on on your team who aren't going to live you for 15 years. And you have, that's just kind of... That's a great realization for for you because I'm sure you did spend that certain amount of time in the beginning trying to convince them all that they wanted the same thing right that they all wanted to work hard they all wanted to get to the same level and then you know once you realize that hey they're all at different spots you know and then your challenge as a coach or as a leader is to meet all them right where they're at and have them all feel right inspired and motivated to achieve whatever it is that they're trying to achieve but then have the whole team on the same, right, the same page, right, as well. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed that at Blue Ridge, you know, of the twelve guys on the roster, ten of them are all wanting to play the next level, right. So, so I already have right that that buy-in, but there always are a couple, right, at the end of the bench that are playing for those different reasons, right. And so, um, and they know it, right. They know that they don't put it in the same amount of time. They know that they shouldn't get the same amount of right glory or opportunity, but you need all 12, right. To, to, to be successful and you need them all, you know, all bought in. I think the best, the best leaders out there are able to figure out, right. How to meet, right. Everybody where they're, where they're at and then, um, get them all to buy into that, right. The same goal, even though their future goals might be different, their present goal right now of right. Winning this league championship or right. Being over 500 or whatever it is, they can all, right. They can all buy in, you know, together to that. But, um, that's that's you. So so, how long did it take you to figure that out? And what was like one or two things that you remember doing differently once you did right figure out kind of the makeup right the makeup of the team? It would be culture swing. I think what you just said was spot on. It was a big culture swing. Like I I took over a program that wasn't the best program that didn't have the best leadership in the past, so the buying wasn't really there. And so it took like a good, like maybe a whole half a season where it really, we were kind of like, but now I was beating my head against the wall a little bit. And then it's funny, like you just said, like whenever you have that, whenever you start to get that buy-in, you start to have the meetings, the one-on-ones, the phone calls, the visiting parents, like parents and players for dinner. And like, you really start to get that buy-in, you see it all kind of shift and you see the momentum in live time and you see the almost switch of motivation. And like one of the most, the probably the most fulfilling thing in that whole season is I had guys come to me at the end of the season that were seniors. They were new to the game. They had grown up in this like Hagerstown lacrosse culture that just wasn't very like pressing and forward thinking. And then they came and said, Hey coach, I know it's super late, but like we love to play in college. Like we never even thought about it. That season ended. So like, that was such a fun season. We had such a good time. Then we got them into college programs. Like it's, that was like 
a cool live action swing of the the mindset of the guys, which was so fulfilling. You, you know, and and you know, obviously, I have that same you know that same issue. But what I what I've what I learned pretty quickly. Um, well, first off, Eric, you're spot on into the, the the term of, you know, you the sometimes the best players don't become the best coaches. You know, and uh, I would say it's more than it's almost always. Yeah, I I mean I I think that you 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 have to have a different mentality and you you can't look at a kid and say well that's not how we did it or that's not you know you're not as tough as I was or you're not as good as I was whatever you know it it it, it comes down to you've got to be able to pull back and say like what my enjoyment of coaching is anymore is watching kids reach some some inner goals you know like the the like honestly it's not about playing in college like we all every if you ask every one of my kids they want to play college football they all put their hands up right and it doesn't matter what size they are it doesn't matter how good they are it doesn't matter any of those things so what i talk about to our kids a lot is and, and pretty much why i have afl is is we're building kids you know we're building young adults we're building uh what do you do when nobody is watching type of mentality and you know w- one of my big things is stacking days and and you know a lot of my kids, like I'm looking at my attendance board right now this week, I have, you know, I have at least 20 kids that have been here four straight days and they work their tails off. And those, I guarantee you today, the report cards come out. I guarantee you if I, if I pull up their report cards right now, they all have over a 3.0 GPA. So for me, it's not even about the sport really. Like we, we don't even like when I, when I get, you know, I, I go out and pitch lots of people about for fun for our fundraising and for grants and all those things. We, we don't even talk about the football aspect of it. We talk about building people, building kids. And uh, like right now, I have ten seniors on the board for the class of twenty twenty four, and they all have homes to go play college football if they choose to. Uh, but I have two of them right now teetering whether or not they want to. Right, and that's that's okay. The the best part is. They have homes. They have they pretty much all of my seniors have at least they're accepted into into at least seven or eight colleges right now, and they all have different packages. And FAFSA right now is being a pain, but um, to figure out you know how much money they're getting for for FAFSA. But my I guess my point is you know as a young coach uh, you know think about the building of the of the of the person. And as you build the person, just like you had, the, the, some of those kids had those aha moments, right? At the end, even though a kid says he doesn't want to play, that sometimes I found out this too. They don't want the pressures of you as a coach. And they want to be, I, mean, I don't want to play this in college. Dude. I don't want to do any of this. I mean, you're, you're you know, you're, you're right. And I'm not doing it, you know, and I, I just want to have fun. All right. Well, you be on a team that's losing and tell me how much fun you have playing a sport, Right. I think I, I, I don't ever remember being uh, having a. I, I was, I've been pretty fortunate in my career from playing to coaching. Um, I've I've had I've been on, involved in in twenty eight years four losing seasons, and uh, unfortunately, two of them were me as the head coach the first year I was there. Uh, at Spring Grove we went one and nine, um, and then at York High we went one and nine my first year. So. No one had a lot of fun at one and nine, but the following year we won the division. Those same kids were like, "Well, this is all right," you know. So it's it's I think it's a fine line of how to build the, the how to build your program, how to build kids, and 
you know, obviously through the development of as the kids, you know, and you're getting kids that are even younger, right? That are young, young. So what about burnout for you guys? How, do you see any burnout with your kids, um, you know, of, of playing lacrosse? And like, sometimes I, I, I think in the baseball world, this is what I, this is what kind of drives me crazy in baseball. And tell me if my philosophy is wrong with this. But if I'm playing baseball and I'm playing travel league baseball, okay, and I'm playing on a weekend and it's a Saturday-Sunday tournament, and say you potentially play in um, you play in five games, okay, and I'm a shortstop. And in those five games, how many chances do you get to field a ball? I mean, I'm, is it is it three a game? Is it five a game? All right, so you have 15 opportunities to, to field a ball, okay? So then you talk about uh, about hitting. You get maybe 20 at-bats in that whole entire weekend, right? But you spent all day Saturday, all day Sunday what, at a tournament. Is that really building skill or is that I, – I, that's, that's one of the things I, I tell kids all the time. Why wouldn't you just be taking BP and working on BP, you know, instead of instead of going on those tournaments, play two games a week and working on your craft? Um, I, I don't know. That's kind of my philosophy. Sometimes I, I think about it like I coached AAU basketball. I got suckered into it. Um, um, I got suckered into it one year and then I did it for two years. Actually, I did it with, for, for Parrish Petrie. And Parrish had a whole different philosophy in terms of, like, we didn't want the best of the best kids. Like, we left them go to the ballers and all that. We wanted the kids that just were wanting to be, uh, and, um, and listen, we had like 280 kids in this program. And I said, look, I'm not going any further than Millersville for basketball games, right? And um, I just, uh, one of the things I liked about why I wanted to do, do it there is we spent more time practicing then we did play, and um, and, and I, I thought that 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 was that was a smart way to do it, um, you know. And and you know some of those kids then moved on to the ballers or whoever. But I I I ultimately think sometimes we spend so much. That's why I love football. You only get ten guaranteed games in football. I think sometimes in some of the other sports. It doesn't matter about winning and losing because of how many opportunities you get a chance to play that sport. You know, you you could play. I mean, how many basketball games, how many baseball games, how many lacrosse games can you play in a twelve month period? And sometimes it just it, it doesn't matter because you know you're going to get another opportunity. Um, on the other hand, in football, you get ten guaranteed opportunities. So. Reminds me of uh, a saying that. Uh... Actually, here at the office in Danny's department, they talk about process over results. And I think a lot of times what we forget as athletes, I talked about this a little bit today in um, a, a video I did on Facebook, but um, so there's a lot to be learned from from uh, sports that apply in life. And yes, if you think about like how often as humans we practice like how often do we practice our faith how often do we practice mindfulness how often do we practice whatever it is that our employer pays us to do right and how many times do we just show up and kind of wing it 
right? And then get frustrated with the results that we get. And what we're looking for is we put so much emphasis on the result, let's say, of playing college football or playing college basketball or playing college lacrosse. The real value is the person you have to become in order to play any of those college sports. Like if I were to say, hey, Danny, what are the top three characteristics? Not not maybe sports niche related, like score or something like that. But what are the top three things? I'm a parent and I'm I'm bringing my kid to, to your lacrosse squad. And I was like, hey, my, my son's pretty committed to playing at the next level. He thinks he can compete, you know, uh, at the college level. And he really wants to to get a secondary education. And, you know, he wants to follow in his, his grandfather's footsteps. And I've heard a lot of great things about your program. What are you going to do? Or what are the top three things that you would do to make that person a college level athlete? The first thing would be just like you said, what you're, what you're getting at is consistency. Like you, it's the first thing, the commitment to consistency. It's that compounding effort that if you kind of like set in stone what works and you get the routine down, you learn like how to be your best you, it's just going to compound over time and just continue to build off itself. And that's a problem. That's more important from the mental side outside of practice than inside of practice, outside of the sport than inside. That's why I think everyone says, export is 90% metal, 10% physical. I think that commitment to excellence all around is ideal, number one most important thing. So consistency, which like when I hear that, it's there's there's a discipline that has to, to come, especially when you have kids that, whether it's AAU or football or any sport, when they experience a lot of success, it's easy to let your foot off the gas a little bit Right. And say, well, no, I don't I don't need to practice every morning. I don't I don't need to go to those workouts with the AFL to lift weights like I did this last year. I accomplished this last year. Um, to me, one of the most elusive things I see in leadership, and I think it's a great analogy from sports, is that um, I might mess the saying up, but it's basically like champions do on a regular basis what weak leaders and weak performers do inconsistent. Like, it's literally just that difference, right? It's the same set of behaviors. It's the same activities. The people that lose do them every once in a while. The people that win do them every single day or every single week or every single workout or every single practice. Um, so I, I think it's a really good lesson for, for me. It's a great reminder for me. This is what I talked about in one of the videos I did this morning the shooting workout that I went to, we spent 45 minutes working on my freaking footwork. And he kept saying, you got to get your base right. You got to get your base right. You got to get your base right. And all I wanted to do is hurry up and shoot the ball. I want to see if it goes in or not, right? And it it got to the point where it was like, I mean, my legs were, I was fatigued. I was 45 minutes of like one, two and sitting into a shoot. I was, I was done. My heart rate got up to like 176. And then he wouldn't even let me shoot until we got that right. And by the way, I'm not a great basketball player. I, I play once a week, maybe. Then we went down to the shooting gun. I shot like 70% from 15 feet away because my base was right. And he was like, once you get your base right, everything else just becomes easier. Now all you're doing is you're taking the ball from here to here, right? But if your base is wrong, you might start here, right? Your release might be here. You're going to rush to get to the shot. So I think a good lesson is is just to have the discipline and consistency to work on your base 
And then the skills and the accomplishments will come naturally to a disciplined person. Um, and that's for me, when I think about the difference between winners and losers, it's consistency and discipline. It's just in my experience, when I fail, it's because I got a little loose with my consistency and discipline. And then I get frustrated with the result. We put all of this pressure on the result, right? I want to score more. I want to win more games. And, you know, I forget it was my great grandfather said, why don't you want in one hand and crap in the other one and see which one fills up quicker. You can't, you can't just want your way to a win. You have to do the discipline and consistent work before you get there. That makes you more qualified to win that game or that match or whatever that is that you're competing in. So uh, we put a, a lot of pressure on the result and you know, the, 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 the process doesn't get much publicity. You know, they, they don't, they're not going to televise the practices leading up to the Super Bowl, but 30 million people will tune in and watch the Super Bowl. Nobody cares about the practice and the work that those guys do, right? At six o'clock in the morning in the weight room or in the film room or any of that stuff. It's not glamorous. The game we, or the we, result. We did a buzzer. We did a buzzer for, for the ding ding moment because today's ding ding moment is truly, in my opinion, it's the consistency of because what happens next, right? Like like Cam's a freshman at Seton Hill. Sam's a freshman at, at, at Shippensburg. What they're both having having success young as young athletes, right? What's next for those two boys? Well, I can tell you right now they're both going to be successful because of what they have done and how they have learned how to do it. And it's the consistency part that started the whole thing. And you know, Sam was so wound up. They went up on, he had to be there last Friday for recruits, whatever, whatnot. And they did not have the weight room. They didn't, they didn't start anything. And today was their first workout and they, they, they maxed squat and maxed bench, but they didn't even have open hours on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Cause he still had recruits in. Right. So he's all wound up because he's out of routine. He's out of his consistency. So a bunch of them decided to go to the rec hall, you know, the, the rec center and, and, and get get their listen, but there are some guys on the team that were perfectly okay without getting that lift in, right? Or or getting a run in or doing what you know what that consistent build of what they all know has gotten them to that level, right? So when basketball is over and the whether they're gonna be coaching, whether they're gonna be in business or whatever it is, they're gonna understand on what consistency got them, right? The consistent communication, the consistent, like I have it all. I, I, I have folders that I had made and, and because I'm a little bit old school, but on the backside of it, it, the very first thing on my folder says consistency, right? And then it's effort, perseverance, perseverance, uh, appreciation. And at the very bottom, it says win the day. And, and to me, that's how I've tried to build my, I've, I've tried to build my foundation as a coach, as a father, as a husband that way, right? And then. I'm trying to teach that to our kids to have that success. And, you know, I think we've done a good job of it. And, 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 you know, like tonight I'm having a conversation with a parent of, of, that has two kids that are in the cap program that are O for three this week, or actually O for four this week. And I'm going to tell them, why, what are you doing? What, why would you, there's no reason for them to be in this program. It's going to be, I don't want them in this program if they're O for four, you know? So, Either get on board or just go. 
I don't want that. I want to, I, I want the consistency to be part of our entire makeup because I think that's the way you're going to build a successful life. I truly believe that process, right? We we're talking about how important the process is and not the, not the results. And we've all been in situations where we have had to hire, right? Employees, hire coaches, hire. And that's why those decision makers always look at athletes, especially athletes that have played at a certain level. And they, they rise to the top of their oh. candidate list because of the processes that these right athletes go through. Right. And I think discipline and consistency is a big, right. A big one. You know, I also think right teamwork, the ability to work right alongside others. And then, you know, your ability to handle, right. Handle the ups and downs, right. Of, of what happens in a season, what happens in practice, going through drills. So now as leaders, as coaches, you know, that process and getting our guy, even even the weakest player on your team, the process that they have gone through is making them more prepared, right, to be successful in life, you know, than, than somebody who's, right, not involved, not playing, right, sports, not around, right, different, different coaches and mentors. And so I think, you know, now it's hard to, it's hard to explain that to a 15-year-old who's trying to right, start his first varsity game or win a championship or whatever. But as as leaders, the more that we can understand the big picture and try to, right, figure out how to communicate that, whether it's to the player or, their, or to their parents, uh, small groups, individual meetings, whatever, to get them to understand that. Because that's, that's what we're, that, I mean, that's the responsibility that we have as leaders to know that we're producing these types of kids that are going to be out there, you know, in the workforce, Run it with their families, with their communities, right in the future. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw this, Eric, but this week I just posted something on social media over the weekend about you know the you know that families, parents have to help their kids that can't drive. You know they've got to help. Um, they, like we we have kids that really want to be here at times that um, you know we our weight room is not even done at our school yet, right? They're, they're redoing a weight room, and so. I have the baseball team that wants to come here and work out here. And, you know, obviously we have some challenges in terms of getting, getting rides here and whatever, whatnot. And, and I have a minivan. My father is my Uber driver. My 80 year old father it picks up seven or eight kids every single um, day from school and brings them out here. Right. And then we have a couple of parents that, that, that will pick up kids and bring them here as well. But then I have kids that are like, coach, I can't get there, but, then when I take them home or we get someone to pick them up and I take them home, there's cars in front of their houses, you know, or whatever it might be. So it's really, to me, it's also a consistency of parents of giving their kids an opportunity to be a, um, you know, to be successful. And, um, you know, I, I've had parents say to me, I'm not doing all that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not, I don't take it out on the kid that we figure it out. We'll go do what we have to do for that that young man. If that young man is going to show us that he really wants to 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 be, and again, it doesn't matter how good they are. It matters by us building this consistency. Can we help um, curve or curb that 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 kid or or cultivate that kid's future? And that's what we're that's what we're kind of all about, really. You know, it's funny when you talk about that. Like most people reserve this leadership concept or principle for a position. It's like a manager in a company or an owner in a company or a head coach or 
the most senior player on the team. And the more I spend a one out of every three books that I read, I try and read one book a month is about just leadership. I'm reading one right now called Coactive Leadership. And the chapter that I'm in is how to lead from the back. Like literally how, how to lead when you're not in charge. And the more I learn about leadership is that it's everywhere. It's in everything that we do, right? First and foremost, at a minimum, you have to lead yourself. Uh, I don't know about you, but like when I wake up in the morning and I try and work out no less than three days a week, and on those days I get up at 5.30 and I need to leave by about 10 of 6. And I have to lead myself every one of those days because there's a little voice inside that's like, go back to sleep. It's still dark outside. It's still cold outside. Man, this extra 45 to 50 minutes worth of rest would really feel good. And those first five minutes of this workout's going to suck ass. And I have to lead myself. And the one thing I've learned um, is that every decision we make is directly linked to the amount of pain or pleasure we link to that decision, right? So like if someone says, well, I don't want to be disciplined. I don't want to go to the weight room. It's because they think that it's going to be more painful to go to the weight room than it will be to not get a scholarship or to not play at college. And the reason it's so easy for, for humans and us and players and employees to make those decisions is because the decision and the pain of being disciplined and commitment in the moment feels real. Because you have to get up, you have to go, you got to get dressed, you got to start exercising, you got to pick up weights. It's the delayed gratification or the pleasure that comes along with that, right? Like they say, it takes 15 years to become an overnight success. That means that you sustained 15 years worth of pain to get to the possibility maybe of that one moment of pleasure, which could be winning the big game or earning a scholarship or making the varsity team or, you know... Uh, competing for a starting position. So I, I would just encourage anybody as we wrap up is that if there's something in your life that you're missing, don't wait on anybody else to give it to you, right? You have to lead yourself. And in those moments where you know what the right thing is to do and you're you're torn between doing the easy thing and the right thing, all you have to do is get more real about the pain because what's, what's going to happen for those guys, Russ, that don't work out and they don't commit to the weight room and they do just enough to get by, every single one of those dudes is bawling their eyes out when you lose a playoff game and the season's over and they're handing their shit in and the teams go, right, everybody goes their own way. You got to get people, in my, in my experience, to tap into the pain of loss to get them to do this, the, the crappy stuff Monday through Saturday and show up four times, right? So those people that miss those four days, they're thinking more about the pain of, hey, I can't go play with my friends or I got to go do this crappy stuff at college. And they're not thinking about the pain of not getting into college or not getting a scholarship or not being able to continue playing the sport that they love. So as a leader, I think we have to constantly balance and help people understand that the what they link pain and pleasure to to get them to do the things that, that we know will lead to success. Um, that's what I have in, in closing. Danny, if anybody wants to to, to find you um, or Team Money Lacrosse, um, where can they find you? Um, yeah, we have. Uh, so we're big on Instagram. So uh, it's it's Burby Team Money on Instagram, 
And then I'm just Danny Mays coaching on Instagram, that's where we run everything. We're on Facebook as well, but Instagram's like our big, uh, big mobile. And sign us off with one piece of leadership advice that you would give to, to someone. If you could only give them one piece of advice, what would you give them? One. Um, I'm going to just roll back to it because it's my, my favorite one is to be where your feet are. I know we already talked about it, but make the most of the moment you're in and don't get distracted. If you're having a meeting with an employee, be all in in the meeting. If you're with your kids at home, be all in with your kids at home. If you're at practice, leave everything else and be all in with the kids at practice and just make the most of each month. Don't waste it. Cool. Thanks, man. Coach Cade, good luck. You have a game tonight? We do. You have Highland School. So Bounce back. Oh, you, you got that. Bounce back. Good luck, Coach. Danny, I was just busting your butt. It was great to meet you today. Hey, the other thing I wanted to, Ross, cross country, where does that fit between soccer and pond scum? I'm not even sure that's a sport. <laughs> what the, why, who the hell does that? We got Hey, let's go warm up with a three-mile run. I, I think they do a little more than three miles. No, I'm saying that's their warm-up. They do. Let's warm up for three miles, and then we'll start practice. Uh, running's hard. I, I Listen. It no, it's hard for guys like miles. you and I. It hurts it's now. Hard. It sucks. <laughs> running sucks. So, anyway, Can I get a t-shirt that says that? Let's get t-shirts made. Yeah. Running sucks. Running sucks. Yeah. Dollars, it was great, a great day. See you guys. See you guys. Okay. See you all. All right, bye. Later.